tonight's show, we have motivational speaker, Anthony Wright. And now for your host, Cool Card. What's up, what's up, what's up, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of Kicking with Cool Card. This is episode 73. I am your host, Cool Card. I just want to thank everybody for tuning in each and every week. If you catch it on the live, I appreciate you. If you catch it on the replay, I appreciate you. It's all love. So, hey, man, I do this for you guys. Can't do it without you. I'll tell you that every show. Um, yeah, man, we're just here to, we're here to bring you value. Last week, I had Khalid Freeman. He was a choreographer, a fitness uh, instructor. He's been around the world touring with the uh, broad, off-Broadway show called Stomp. Uh, he was in, uh, what was it, drum, was it drum, no, not drum line, Stomp the Yard, he was in the movie, he's, he's doing phenomenal things, man, so you guys go and check that episode out, that was episode 72, had him on here last week, we had a blast, man, he dropped some real good nuggets for people in the industry trying to do their thing, too, so you make sure you check that out, guys, and if this is your first time, I do invite you to subscribe, so you can come on back and get some of this value, tell a friend, tell a friend. Listen, I don't press the issue about subscribing and all that good stuff, but I just do it for you. And if you like, if you're loving what you're getting on here, I just want you to continue getting it. So it's all for you guys, all right? But listen, this week, this is special. I've never had a story being told on my show like the story that's going to be told today. All right, never encountered anybody who's ever went through anything like this. So this is very special. I'm telling you, man, it, this is this has been a national story. Uh, I got a gentleman by the name of Anthony Wright. Um, he spent the not not the last because he's been out for a couple of years now, but he was in prison for 25 years, framed, wrongfully convicted. He's here to tell his story. We're here to talk about it and just see where he is now and the good that he's doing for the community and criminal justice reform. It's just a beautiful thing. So I'm gonna bring him in, man. Without further ado, I can't wait to dive in. And let him uh, talk his talk. All right, let's get it going, y'all. Kick it a cool card. Anthony, welcome, my brother. How you doing today? I'm great, man. Thanks for having me. Appreciate uh, no doubt, no doubt, man. You got a phenomenal story. Um, I'm blessed to be able to share it with my viewers and, and, and for you to oblige and come on here and be so open and wanting to share your story. Um, yeah, man, so thank you. Hey, man, thanks for having me, man. Uh, uh, you know, I'm glad to be here today. You know, you know, well, you know what I've been doing, and, and and the reason you know I'm here today on your show. You know I mean, just to instill hope, and in somebody might be going through the same thing. Yeah, it might not be them personally, but it might be some a family member. Yeah, you know I mean, just to you know try to give somebody, you know, some type of direction and structure. You know how to navigate. You know, 
themselves through that. I mean, yeah. you know, I I had a four year old son back then, and you know, a lot of people want to know, you know, how I was able to bridge the gap, you know, being in that situation on the inside and my son on the outside. I mean, so you know, I speak to the younger dads about that a lot, man. I get that question a lot, man. So you know, this is why I do this, man. Yeah, that's that's beautiful, man. And you spreading it, you spreading the love. And you uplifting communities by your story, man, and it's yeah. a beautiful thing. Hey, listen, I want I start all my shows off with a prayer. Are you okay with that? Absolutely. Cool. Absolutely. I just got I got to give it up to him. Whoever you worship, I know it's a God, so we are gonna give it up no to doubt. him. All right. No doubt. Just real quick, Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, we just thank you for this moment, for this time. <laughs> Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, for allowing Anthony to come on here and share his story, Lord Jesus. We we, we know that it's through your grace and through through your mercy, Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, that he's able to even be here today, Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus. We just thank you. We give it up to you. We give it all to you, Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus. We thank you for allowing us to wake up this morning, giving us breath, giving us food to eat, shelter, Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, and just these moments and time to share with each other, Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, and build as a community, as brothers, as people, as human beings. Beings, Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, we give you all the victory, all the glory, all the love, all the praise, and we thank you for this moment. In your name we pray. Amen. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So listen, you have been a national story. So there are people who know about your story, and some of my viewers may not know about your story. So I'm, I'm going to jump around a little bit. I want to know who Anthony Wright was prior to your situation, to your, you know, to your incarceration. Who who was that man prior? Hey man, I you know, I've I've always been a family man. I come from a, a big family. Uh, you know, I was 20 years old back then. You know, I was a young guy. I was a young father just trying to find my find my niche in the world, man, trying to find my way. You know what I mean? Um, to provide for my young son, also help my mother out at that time. Okay. All right, and then so moving forward, now that you have been exonerated, you're out. How has it been for you? Because it was 2016, August 23rd, 2016, correct? Correct. Okay, correct. that was the day. Freedom came. How has it? How has it been adjusting, readjusting to to just being out in society, being back with your family, and doing what you're doing? You know, after the birth of my son, man. You know, that was the second best day of my life, man. It seemed like I was waiting. You know, my whole life uh, for that day, uh, you know, 9,074 days, a quarter of a century, 25 years. That's yeah. a long, long, a long time, time, man. Man, you know, I've, I've, you know, I've, I've grown, you know, physically, physically, you know, my body was held, uh, uh, kidnapped, but mentally my mind was always free. Okay. You know, even though my body was physically, you know what I mean, incarcerated, my mind was always free. I always visualized this moment. A lot, a lot of people deal with this type of situation differently, you know, and it's crazy because I was just speaking uh, with some members of my team last night and they were speaking about another Donnery brother of mine who isn't doing so well, like who isn't even a shadow of himself. And I was able to maintain saying that, you know what I mean, by the grace of God first, and my family. You know, each year you in prison, uh, you're away from the community. Each year you in prison, the older you get. Each year you in prison, uh, your family get older. People pass away. Some guys in there so long, their whole family pass away to the point where they no longer have no communication with the outside world. So all the communication 
be confined to that cell and that box that they stuck in, which uh, have them unable to think outside that box. And 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 you know, uh, like I said, uh, God, man, and and my family, man, you know, help get me through that way. I wouldn't be stuck in that box. And my mind was always free. So you know, when it finally happened. Uh, 25 years later, it wasn't no shock for me. I was ready. I, I was prepared for it. The first day felt no different than the last day. I didn't like being there. I didn't want to be there. I shouldn't have been there. And, 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 you know, I was happy. I was happy to walk out that door August 23rd, 2016. It was the second best day of my life outside of my son being born. Man, that's beautiful. That's beautiful, man. That's, and that, that's, that's like a, God, that's nobody but God. Because a lot of people don't make it through that, man. A lot of people, you know, even people who are guilty, you know what I'm saying? They just they just don't make it. The crazy thing, the crazy thing is, you know, I'm a Muslim. I practice Islam. And, you know, prior, eight, eight, eight or nine years prior uh, to me being arrested, you know, I took my Shahada. That's when you give you a testification of, of, of faith. You know I mean, submit yourself to the will of, of, of God verbally. You know I mean, with your tongue, your actions make you who you are. You know, as a Muslim, and I've never prayed uh, for eight years. And my mother passed away in 1998. And when your family member passed away, you know, a lot of family run up to the jail to break the news to you and, you know, try to come see you and make sure you are right. And 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 and, and that was the worst day of my life. Uh, uh, I was so numb. I was so hollow when that happened in 1998. Imagine. Like, you know, my family came to see me and it was as if nobody came to see me. I was sitting there and I was just numb. I was just a shell and I needed something more. And when I went back to my cell, I put the curtain up on my door. I put the rug down and I prayed for the first time. And I felt something I never felt before. Oh, and I've man. been I've been stuck since right there, man. Felt so good, man. I, you know, I, I felt, you know, a little bit of relief in a different way, in a different way, man. And, 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 and I held grasp hold of that with all my might, man. And I've been there ever since. So for you not praying for eight years, had you given up on your faith? Were you, what happened? No, I, no, well, absolutely not. I mean, you know, you know, you know, you know, Islam is a is, is a strict religion. Okay. Yeah, I mean, it, it requires a lot, especially when you're young. Yeah, I mean, you know, you know, you want to do this and do that when you shouldn't be doing that. But you know, right. our goal, our goal at the end of the day is to make sure our good deeds outweigh our bad deeds. Correct. And for whatever for whatever reason, you know, I wasn't ready. I wasn't ready. I mean, uh, even though I, I I said my testification of faith, I wasn't ready to fully commit myself to that. Right. That's obvious because I didn't pray. And then you know I needed something more, and and I put my rug down and I prayed. You know, my mother. You know, the, the worst thing that was worse than me doing twenty five years losing my mother. And in that way, you know, my mother was a woman that I was her life. I was, I'm her only child. Right. Uh, uh, I was her life and, and vice versa. She was mine. This lady gave her life for me. You know, if I call home 20 times a day, my mother cried for me every single time I called home. And, 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 and it felt, felt like 
you know, at a time when she needed me just for one moment. I couldn't be there for her. Uh, uh, and, and, and I got to live with that for the rest. I, you know, I live my life with no regrets, but I'm haunted by that fact yeah. every day. I think about my mother every day. I miss her so much. I visit her grave site often, me, my son, uh, and a few family members, you know, uh, uh, you know, like Kathleen, she'll always live through all of us. Yeah, you know I mean, every day until we're together again. I miss her so much, man. Well, your God, your God pulled you through that because you weren't there not because you didn't want to be there you know right. what I'm saying your heart right. mind every, right. your soul everything was there with right. her it's just you weren't right. there physically because somebody didn't allow you to be there physically you know right so. and, and, and 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 that's where a lot of my strength a lot of my strength came from man you know it was the hardest thing i ever had to endure you know being incarcerated for a crime i didn't commit and 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 you know this didn't happen for a month for a day for a year, two years, three years. This happened for 25 years. That's a long time. That's a and, long time, man. And, and and so many days, man, I wanted to get up and quit, man. And and, and my mother face a pop in my mind, man. Yeah, I mean, you know, uh, I felt like, you know, it would have been a disservice to her, disservice to my son. And not only that, I'm the 344 person to be wrongfully convicted of a crime that it did not commit. I'm the 344th person. And 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 that was just a little over four years ago. Right. Uh, uh, at the time of my acquittal, exoneration, and release from prison. That number now is way over 500. And I felt like it would have been a disservice to all the men and women that was in the same position as I and, 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 and never made it. Yeah. Never made it. You know, you know, we, you know, I still so much hope in so many people that's still behind the wall. Even the men that committed a crime, you know, you know, I still so much hope in them. And, 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 you know, my message every day, especially to the younger people, the younger kids out in the world, you don't necessarily have to be, you don't necessarily, I'm sorry, you don't necessarily have to be in prison to always believe in yourself and never give up. Always yeah. believe in, in yourself. That's my message, you know, each and every day. That's my mission. That's my aim. You know what I mean? You Absolutely. know, to never give up. You know what I mean? Because yeah. when, when you're going through something, it can seem like a lifetime. And when you come out on the other side, man, it, it you know, it's so victorious and you're overjoyed. And, and God just takes over the whole situation to where it's like you never, you know, you don't forget it. But it's like it never even happened now because you're moving on. You know what I'm saying? Man, you put one foot in the, front of the other, and, and you're moving on. You yeah. But it's the there, best. Yeah. It, it, it's the best. Yeah. Yeah. It's the best. It's the best feeling in the world, man. And 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 and, and you said it, man. The victory is God's, man. You know, that's all His, man. I'm a vessel of His, and 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 you know, you know, He can use me any way He chose. And I hope, you know, what happened to me, don't go in vain. And I mean. Right. When I say say that, I mean, I hope, you know, I went through that, you know what I mean, uh, 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 because somebody else, you know what I mean, wasn't strong as me, able to go through that, and he chose me. Yes. For whatever reason, for whatever reason, uh, you know, that 25 years today, it don't consume one minute, one second, one hour of my life. Yeah. Unless I'm talking about it, man. I'm alive. I'm healthy. Yep. Uh, I'm back with my family. I'm good, man. My yeah. life is great. My life is Absolutely. great. Absolutely. And yeah. you can look at it this way too. 
your 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 situation it can be a beacon and a light for others who are going through the same or similar situation and it could be a, 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 a engine for change within that criminal justice system you know because at some point but you know it's the numbers they're going to start adding up and it has to stop it has to stop man like when does it stop so it's like with with you getting out and you beating it and 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 God just being the glory like it has to it's like one chip off that block you know and then there's another chip and somebody else gets exonerated you know what I mean like you you're being effective in so many ways you know what I mean like it's just man it's amazing brother As, you know you know that's why I do this that's why I do these type of engagements and it's crazy. The first time I met my senior staff, one of my senior staff attorneys from the Innocence Project, you know, first time she ever physically came and saw me, she said, listen, we're going to bring you home. We, you, you coming home, you gonna, we're going to bring you home. You know, when, you, when you're in that situation, you hope the inevitable don't happen uh, uh, to you two times, meaning, you know, uh, I was sentenced to life. You know what I mean? That mean the only way I was gonna come out of there is in a box if I was dead. Right. And 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 my case my case was a capital case. I just missed the death penalty by two votes. In order for you to get death, everybody had to say yes one way. Right. And two people and two people held out and said no, so it made my sentence automatically go to a life sentence. Yeah. And and and. You know, one of my senior staff attorneys, uh, when I first met her, she said, we're going to bring you home. And then in the same breath, she looked at me and said, they're going to love you when uh, 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 we finish. And I looked at her like I was crazy, like she was crazy. I mean, I'm in prison for one of the most heinous crimes any human being could commit against another human being. Right. We're talking about a 77-year-old widow. She was murdered. Miss Louise Tyler, this lady was brutally murdered. Not only that, she was also sexually assaulted. And, and you know, my lawyer said that to me, and I'm looking at her like, these guys hate me. I'm innocent. Like, you know, everybody in prison say they're innocent. Yeah. Literally, everybody in prison say they're innocent. And I never knew what she meant when she said they're going to love you when we're done until 16 years after the fact, after I came home. You know, my case was so big, it actually exposed all the corruption that was going on in the judicial system in Pennsylvania. Because wow. of my case, and what we did, the door we opened, thousands of people came home right after me because all everybody that was involved in my case, all the cops was corrupt. All these cops was on thousands and thousands of cases before mine and after mine, wow. which allowed all these men and women to get right back in court after, you know what I mean, yeah. you know what I mean? show all the corruption that was going on in the city of Philadelphia. And you worked, I mean, you worked with, it's called the Project Innocence or Innocence Project? It's called the Innocence Project. It's a non-profit organization. The co-founders are two men by the name of Mr. Barry Shep and Mr. Peter Newfeld. Okay. The, the, the masses, people in the world might recognize those names. Those two guys, it was also involved in the O.J. Simpson case. Okay. Uh, 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 many, many years ago. And they are the two men that are responsible for bringing 
DNA, the scientific evidence this way to the masses of the world. I mean, wow. DNA exists. DNA existed as long as it was first human being right. or animal on Earth. But I'm far scientifically bringing it to the masses of the world. These two guys are responsible for that, and they saved my life, man. I love both of them dearly. I, I tell them all the time. I feel like I'm be forever in debt to to you guys. Not only me, so many men and women, man. You know, if it wasn't for you guys, we'd still be stuck in that prison, man. Yeah, you know I mean, you know, it, you, uh, said, you yeah. said 16 years. You worked with them for 16 years. Yeah, for 16 years, man. And, and my God, and, and, and that's something that normally doesn't happen. And, and it's, it's, it's so when you become a client of Anderson's Project. So let me let me tell you this. So when I was arrested, it was one Anderson's Project in America. And that was in New York City. So when this uh, uh, Innocence Project came into existence, somehow, some way, I was able to get my hand on that address. So when I was convicted in 1993, this case happened in 1991. I sat in the county for two years waiting to go to trial. Wow. So after, so two years later in 1993, when I was convicted and I went upstate. I started a routine, and the routine I started was I will send 10 letters out every week. I will go to the law library inside the institution and find any legal institution I can find and research to find any legal institution I can find. And I will send 10 letters out to every legal institution I can find, whether it was a, a university, a college campus, whether it was a law firm, any place that had a law professor you know I, I've sent a correspondent to I wanted people just to read my notes you know what I mean and and, and and I just wanted to see what they they thought and every something happened that almost never happened every correspondent I sent out I got a correspondent back so the first 10 letters I sent out the Innocence Project was one of the people that I sent a correspondent to I got nine correspondents back and I didn't get one. And the one that I get get back was from the Innocence Project. And everybody that corresponded back with me, pointed me, wanted to help me, but my case was so far out of jurisdiction that everybody kept pointing me in the direction of the Innocence Project. Mm -hmm. And I said, wow, that's crazy. I wrote them first and, and I heard back from everybody I sent the correspondence to. Why am I hearing back from the Innocence Project? So I continued sending 10 letters out every week. That was my routine. Yeah. Every week. And then and every time I sent the letters out, everybody wanted to get involved in my case. It was so far from jurisdiction. Uh, once again, every time I sent a correspondence out, everybody pointed me in a direction on an innocence project. And, uh, and it was driving me crazy. I'm like, wow. Why am I hearing back from everybody and not the people that everybody directed me to? And I sent them the first correspondent. So I finally heard back from them probably uh, uh, seven or eight months later. So oh, they sent man. me a big, yeah, they sent me a big questionnaire okay. to fill out. And it was a questionnaire with like a million questions on it. And I filled it out to the best of my ability, sent it back to them. And I continued sending letters out every week. Every week, I never stopped sending letters out. Never stopped sending letters out. For years, I did that. And 
once again, everybody kept pointing me in the direction of the Energy Project. And then probably four or five months later, I did another correspondence from the Energy Project. This time they was asking me to send them some of my legal documents. So I did what they said, and I continued sending letters out to everybody I could find. Everybody I could find. Once again, everybody kept pointing me in the direction to the Innocence Project. That went on for over uh, two years. And finally, uh, the day I was waiting for uh, happened. The letter I was waiting for seemed like I was waiting for all my life was the day the Innocence Project wrote me a correspondent and said that they was uh, accepting my they case. Take case yeah. So, yeah, so what they was doing, which I didn't know, they was doing, they, they was doing- uh, They do they diligence? Yeah, they was doing their due diligence uh, on my case. Every time they uh, correspond with me, ask for a piece of legal document until they did enough where they figured knew that I was wrongfully in prison. Yeah, and, and you know, you know, Innocence Project is a is a project is is is, is a nonprofit organization of men and women that help to uh, free people that was wrongly accused and convicted of a crime through DNA technology. And 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 they accepted my case and and you know we started working and and immediately you know we applied for DNA testing. So Philadelphia was a place didn't allow DNA testing. I was gonna Especially, ask you that. I was gonna yeah, ask you so, what why did it take so long for them to do DNA testing but you just but, but Philadelphia is one of most corrupt places in America. And let me tell you this. When I first was arrested, DNA was in its DNA testing was in its infancy stage. Even though it was in its infancy stage, it was still at a point where it could have got a profile, where it could have said, yes, it was Anthony Wright that committed this crime. Yeah. Yes, it was you who committed this crime. Let me tell you something about DNA. DNA is the best evidence in the world. DNA don't need no witnesses. DNA says two things. It says yes and it says no. It says guilty or it says not guilty. There's no in-between in DNA. And if you committed a crime, there's no way for you to get away from that crime if your DNA was involved in that crime. You know what I mean? It's just no way for you to get away. And back then, it was in its infancy stage. We talking about fast forward, 2010, 15 and 20 years later DNA now is a million times better than it was yeah. 20 years ago yeah. 25 years ago it's the best evidence in the world and if you sure I'm the guy that committed this crime why are you denying me this test yeah. I was willing to consent to any test they wanted to do to prove that they had the wrong guy I wasn't the perpetrator of this crime so we litigated for eight to nine years and the courts kept denying us and then Philadelphia being so corrupt and we had a, a, a new DA and just so happened I was having a hearing I was having a, a court hearing and my lawyers ran into the new DA which was named Seth Williams you know what I mean he went to jail right after me by the way right after oh, wow. I was released he went to jail so uh they, my lawyer stopped them and introduced themselves. They said, you know, we're from the Innocence Project. Uh, our client is Anthony Wright. He said, I'm familiar with that case. You know what I mean? What y'all doing? He said, we just had a hearing. He said, well, let's see what the uh, results is from the hearing. And and they denied me. And out of nowhere, 
he called my my lawyer in the office and said, you know what I mean, let's sit down and talk and figure out, you know what I mean, you know, this test situation. Right. So he so he agreed to do the test. Lo and behold, you know, I was convicted I was convicted over twenty years. They could have they could have got rid of the clothes and all disposed of clothes and all that. So we was able to get a search warrant to see if they still had the clothes. Praise be to God, they still had the clothes in a locker. Yeah, I mean, well, wow. they, they were at all these years later. They still had the wow. clothes, and, and we were able to get the clothes and do a DNA test. They agreed to the DNA test, which was one of another one of the happiest days of my life, man. I uh, uh, I remember getting a phone call, and my lawyer said we got the test. I almost passed out. I couldn't believe it. I was so happy, and I ran. I ran to to the place and the institution where they wanted to do the test at that had me swab. Yeah. And fast as they took the swab out my mouth, I got another call in the institution. I'm in the yard exercising one day. I'm running the yard. And one of the ladies that was my counselor there in civilian clothes, she ran in the middle of the yard. Everybody's looking at her like, what is this Joe's doing out here? <laughs> and she was she was in the middle of the yard jumping up like a pogo stick because at this time my case had picked up so much steam. Everybody in the institution Everybody knew what was knew. going on. So I was doing I was doing uh calls with my lawyer and them through my counselors on a regular. So everybody, and then, you know, uh, they was reading stuff in the paper and on the news, everybody in the institution. And this lady, she was waving for me and they was like, they called me Bolo. They said, Bolo, Miss Jost wants you. And I, I said, what's going on? She said, you got to come in quick, quick. It's a mercy, the lawyer wants you. I ran in and, and my lawyer said, yo, you sit down. I said, what's going on? And they said, Tony, we got a hit. And I said, what do you mean we got a head? What's a head? She said, we got the cop something that committed the crime. And I said, you got to be kidding. So when you so, convicted of a crime. So wait, so wait. You, you said they got the guy who, who did the crime? Yeah. So. Wow. So after I took the DNA test. So when you arrested and you convicted of a felony crime, you're, you won't go home unless you voluntarily give up your DNA. So they take all convicted felon DNA and store it in a database. Mm-hmm. In a database. So after they swabbed me, they got a hit from the database on somebody's DNA that matched the DNA of the person that had to be the perpetrator of the crime. So, and I said, what? so they said, yeah, he's in South Carolina. They said we loading up now. All investing, all my lawyers and all investigators was head getting on a plane, head to where they found this location of the guy to be at, which was in South Carolina. And when they get there, they knock on a door, and they said, "Yes, we're here looking for Ronnie Bird. Whoever has the door, they said Ronnie Bird ain't here." Furthermore, who's all you white people standing on my step in suits looking for Ronnie? So when they told him who they were, he said, "Y'all better hurry up." He's in a hospital about to die. This guy was in a coma. What? So when they get to the hospital, he's literally in a coma, dead. And he never came out of the coma. And before he can be questioned or anything, he passed. He died. He died. Wow. So we were, so we were able to bring that to court. And it's crazy. And and and, and these type of cases, the first person that should be questioned is always the last person. 
to be questioned. This guy's name for 25 years was never mentioned or nothing out of all the hundreds of people that was questioned and, and, and made statements. This guy was the only guy I never mentioned, and he was the first guy to be mentioned. This guy squatted right next to the lady's house, and he was a crackhead. And when we went to court, everybody in court, all the witnesses knew him. So when this when this crime happened, and the police was doing their investigation, they grabbed a bunch of young kids off the corner that was 14 and 15 years old and made these kids come in and sign a statement saying it was me, saying that they actually saw me running this lady out and all that. And they also grabbed some crackheads who had outstanding bench warrants. Who would say anything. Yeah. Told them if they come in and say say what they wanted them to say and find these statements, the bench warrants will go away. They no longer have to worry about that. And everybody came in and did exactly what the police said. And fast forward 25 years later, all those same people, those kids that were 14 and 15, came to court and told the truth. They said, man, we don't know that man. We never saw that man. We only did that because the police said if we didn't sign these statements, we'll never see our parents again. They'll kill our mom. We'll be in prison for the rest of our life. And a lot of the uh, crackheads had passed away. Yeah. And then this guy passed away. And we even found this guy's daughter in South Carolina. Her mother was murdered when she was an infant baby. And she grew up all her life believing that her father was the man that killed my mother as well. Guy Lonnie Bird, the guy who committed this crime that I was in prison for 25 years for. He did it. He did it. Wow. Yeah. Let's 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 go back to you know, I, you know are you comfortable talking about the day it happened? I'm good. I'm good. Bro. So let, I'm let's good. let's relive that a little just for you know the viewers that don't know the story. Can you yeah. kind of relive that day that it happened when they ran down on you with your son in there and it was insane. It was crazy. You know, I'm a huge sports fan, man. You know, I grew up in the, in the, in the, in the main streets of North Philadelphia. It's the worst part of the city, man. And, you know, as a child growing up, you know, you know, I played every sport. Basketball, baseball, boxing, and football was my best sport. So, you know, uh, it was early Sunday afternoon. Uh, I was in the house with with my mother at the time. It was me, my mother, and my son was there. And also the young lady I was dealing with at the time was there with my mother. So I was upstairs sleeping and my mother came up and woke me up. You know I mean, her and my girlfriend were downstairs cooking brunch and the game was about to come off. It was early Sunday afternoon. And I came downstairs and laid right across the couch. And my son was four years old. He was on the floor right beneath the couch playing with his toys. And almost simultaneously, the phone rang and a knock at the door at the same time. I'm laying on a couch and the phone was right above my head. And I just reached my arm for the phone and my mother ran in from out the kitchen to answer the door. And when I answered the phone, it was my son's grandfather on the phone. And he said, uh, the police just left our house Look." for you. And I look up at my mother and she turns around and looked back at me. She had pulled the curtain back and I said, what's wrong? She said, it's the police. I said, open the door. You know, I didn't do anything wrong. Right? Open the door. So when she opened the door, the police walked in 
And I told my son's grandfather on the phone. I said, well, the police just walked in our house. I'll call you back soon if they leave. Let me see what they want. They wanted to ask me some questions. When my mother opened the door, and they said they wanted to ask me some questions, my mother went ballistic. I asked him questions about what? He didn't do anything. I didn't do anything. I said, Mom, relax. Everything's fine. I didn't do anything. And so they didn't want to ask me no questions there at the house. They wanted me to accompany them to the police administration building downtown Philadelphia. It's called the Roundhouse. Anybody from Philadelphia know what the Roundhouse is and know what that means. And, 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 I said, okay. They allowed me to go upstairs, get fire shorts on, and get fully dressed. I went upstairs, got fully dressed. I come back downstairs, and they escorted me outside to the car. They uh, put me in a car in the back seat. A detective got in the back with me. A detective that was driving got in the driver's seat and, and drove off. And, uh, you know, on our way down there, you know, they was making small talk and, you know, laughing, you know, and Again, I'm sitting there in the back seat trying to figure out who these guys work with me. Yeah, I mean, why am I here? Right. Why I'm sitting in the back of a of a uh, detective car? Why I'm on my way to the uh, roundhouse? That was the only thing I was thinking about. Uh, why would they want to come talk to me? And then once we got there, uh, you know, things took a turn for the worst. Uh, you know, things you know, got a little crazy down there. So when I, yeah, when I got there, you know, they put me in this room. They handcuffed my, one of my hands. Uh, uh, I was sitting at a table. They had me with a chair in front of it. They handcuffed my left hand to the chair. And then and they came in and said that, I, you know why you're here? They said I comm- they knew I committed this crime. They said they had witnesses and evidence to, to, to back up that, you know, I'm the person that committed this crime. And I said, I didn't commit no crime. I don't know what you guys talking about. From the time they said this crime happened until the time they arrived at my mom's house, I told them exactly where I was at and what I was doing at that exact time. I repeated the same thing over and over again for hours to the point I was in there crying like a baby. I was 20 years, I was in there crying like a baby, literally for my mother. I wanted my mother. You know what I mean, I was scared to death. You talking about murder in the first degree? I was three years old, and I, I, I didn't know nothing about nothing. I didn't have anything to do with anything. I was literally in there crying like a baby for my mother, and and I was in there for hours repeating the same thing. And you know, they ripped my hat off, said they what they was gonna do to me. I was so scared, man. I feared for my life, and then you know, one of the detectives bought these papers in for me to sign. And when he brought the papers in and placed them in front of me, I'm handcuffed and I'm looking over and I'm trying to read what's on the papers and they wouldn't allow me to read what was on the papers. He covered it up except for where he wanted me to put my signature and my initials at. And, you know, I feared for my life. And I did, you know, they told me if I sign the papers, I can go home. And at this time, I was in the air shot. I could hear my mother out there screaming for me like what, what's going on where am i son at and they told me if i sign these papers i can leave i signed the papers and they said i just confessed to the crime wow i saw yeah i found those papers and they said i i just confessed to the crime wow yeah, yeah i mean so you know the terminology 
you know, we use today because I asked the question when somebody pulling up a joke on you, we call it being pranked. Right. Only for somebody to come in and tell me I was being pranked. That never happened, man. You know, they said I just confessed to this crime, man. And and I was like, I mean, what are you talking about? I was gonna like, yeah, I was man. gonna ask you, man, um, you know, you're completely innocent, like there's no in, in no shape, form, or fashion. Am I saying that you were had guilt or you were in? You know what I mean. But this question, I, I wanted to ask you, like thinking back, and for somebody who may be in this situation or somebody who may ever be faced with this situation, just thinking back, would you say that that was the one thing that you probably could have done differently that could have helped you helped your case or made matters turn out differently? Do, do you feel like that? Do you feel like if you would have just not signed that, then maybe something else could have happened or you could have held it off some and maybe gotten a lawyer in there? Like, have you ever thought absolutely. about that? Well, well, absolutely. Well, let me say this to you. Listen, listen at this number. 85% of the men and women, the population that's in the county jail that's when you first get arrested off the street. Not when you're convicted. 85% of the men and women, when we are first arrested, including myself, we don't know our constitutional rights. Had I known my constitutional rights, I wouldn't have been in that position in the first place. Yeah. I would have I would have never been in that position. Yo, that's insane. 85%. Yeah, the men and women when they first arrested don't we don't know we didn't know our constitutional rights. Had I known my constitutional rights, I would have never been in that position in the first place. They would have never got that far. Yeah, you know what I mean, you, you know, probably, probably would have never gotten in the car. Yeah, you know, I would. They would have to had a search warrant to take me from my home. Right, and I was, not only that, I would have definitely had. Uh, my attorney present at the time and right after they took me from my home they went back to my mother's house knocked on the door when she opened the door flashed the paper in her face and bars through her house where's room at and went in the house and planted the clothes that they said the perpetrator wore which was me under the bed and said yeah we found the clothes under his bed they wow, planted the they, they planted the clothes with blood stains and all with none of my DNA on it only DNA on it was was the victim and, and, and this guy. None of Anthony Wright DNA was on these clothes. That they went in my mother's house and planted the clothes under my mattress. Man. That's that's insane, brother. Yeah. That's insane, man. And and, and yeah. think about and like you said, your DNA was nowhere on them clothes and it took them. How many years? What, 2011 they granted you? Uh, 2011. Uh, but, 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 2011. You know, the crazy thing about this whole situation, Philadelphia being one of the most corrupt places in the world. So they knew they was in trouble then when the DNA came back. So after 23 years, they finally decided to bring me back to court for the first time after I was convicted in 2014. They brought me back to court and vacated my whole entire sentence, meaning they took my life sentence away. They took the four to ten years away. They took all the things I had 
and was convicted of. They took all that away. But right after they took it away, they revoked my bail and held me for additional two years to retry me. I'm the first person that ever been retried, ever. Ever. Even when the DNA said that you were clearly even when innocent. the DNA said even when the DNA said they listen, even when the DNA clearly said I'm innocent, they retried me, helped me for two more years and then retried me. When you again. found out about when you found out about the, you being retried, what, what was going through your mind at that point? Nothing, man. I'm I had a moment, man. You know, it's just some stuff. As a human being, you're never able to grab and wrap your brain around it and deal with them, this judicial system in Pennsylvania. You know, that happened to me quite a bit, being in that situation. I knew it was over. Yeah, I mean, I knew it was over. Uh, You know, I, I just wanted my day. Yeah, I wanted my day, and unlike the 23 years prior, the 25 years prior, I felt so secure. I felt so secure. I felt so protected by my team. Yeah, I mean, by my team, my legal team, that I was able to assemble from inside that prison. Uh, I knew these men and women had my best interest at heart. Yeah. I, I, I just wanted this day, and I knew what was ever in the dark was definitely going to come to the light. I was just waiting on this moment, man, and 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 and, and I believe the whole world knew it was over. Uh, 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 I had so many people encouraging me. I mean, every enemy in the county jail. They brought me back to the county jail for two years. Every guard, everybody, everywhere I went, everybody was encouraging me, man. Keep your head up. Yeah, I mean, you have to finish line. is almost over. And even more, my son, man. Yeah, I mean, you know, my son, you know, you know, uh, uh, the two of us, we never smiled so much through that whole ordeal. That last two years, we probably smiled, you know, Every day, every day, uh, because we knew the time was near. It was near. And it yeah. was, uh, well, we, 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 we was at the finish line, but the, we, we was at the finish line, but the door wasn't open yet. It was just yeah. a matter of time. So we was just waiting for, yeah, you know I mean, that door to open, but to have our day. And I was acquitted in the quickest verdict in any criminal trial. When the, the judge gave the case to the jury, the foreman said, you want us to deliver weight? What, Your Honor? Are you serious? Yeah, I mean, so it's crazy. So, so yeah. they bought all this food for the jurors for lunch, and they used that. They didn't want to throw the food away, and, and they almost made the jurors go back there and eat that lunch. And so, during that time, they said the jurors was back there delivering, but the jurors didn't even want to deliver and the jurors refused to leave the courtroom. They wanted it's never happened. Yeah. The jury, every jury member refused to leave the courtroom. They wanted to see me. They wanted to hug me. They wanted to talk to me. And the judge refused to even release me after I was exonerated. He made them shackle me and handcuff me one more time and take me back to jail until my lawyers and my family go get me from jail. Are you serious? Yeah, absolutely serious. Bro, they were relentless. 
and all the jurors came back. Yeah, and all the jurors came back the next day and filled my attorney office up to come see me. It's never happened before. That's love, man. That's love. You were finally free. Uh, You were finally free, free. and you got a you got a documentary coming out, right? Called Finally Free. No, 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 no. uh, Well, no, well, you know. That's the short documentary okay. that I have on uh, YouTube right now, okay. uh, featuring featuring myself and and, and, and uh, my son. Uh, it's called Tony Wright Finally Free. Okay. But I have my I have my first biography. My first book is about to come out any day now. It's called The Tony Wright Story. It's called Live to Tell. But I'm shooting the documentary uh, right now. That's why I'm in Nashville, uh, okay. Tennessee. Okay. Uh, I'm shooting a documentary. We don't have a name for it. So we sat down, me and the directors of, of, of this film. Uh, we shooting about my life. We sat down, you know, about a year ago uh, to put this film together. We had a vision, and and and, and where we at today, uh, 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 you know, this film has passed everything that we imagined. Yeah. This film is so huge right now. Everybody's involved. This film uh, uh, get a new pair of leaks every day, man. So many people involved. It's going to be so good. It's not just about me. Like I said before, I'm a 344 exonerate. Okay. Uh, that, that means it was 343 people. Uh, Getting light before. on everybody. Yeah, so. Everybody. And, 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 and plus, we, we we have a brotherhood. You yeah. Know what I mean? So, yeah. You know what I mean? You know, we are brothers. You know what I mean? Uh, you know, I'm brother. I'm a brother to so many men and so many women that was in this situation as I. We have gallows and, 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 and where we all get together a couple times a year and meet. Every year we embark on a different city. You know what I mean? So because of the pandemic, uh, uh, we were supposed to be in Chicago last year, but that was canceled. And, and we all looking forward to the next gala. You know what I mean? I miss my brothers and my sisters, man. I can't wait to see everybody and all my attorneys as well, man. Wait, I got a clip of of your, your short documentary that's on YouTube. I want to play it for everybody. Yeah. Let them get it. Let them a little good. I got about three minutes, three and a half minutes of it. So we'll get into that and then we'll come back and we'll we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about your son and football and that getting you through because i want to i want to dive into that just a little bit more and uh yeah let's do it all right y'all this is finally free the short doc he has a he has a he has a longer version coming out he's working on that right now like you said we'll check this out y'all how do you measure lost time do you look at the skin the eyes Is it in the strands of gray or the hands? For Tony Wright, all of this time is the story. One about Philly, football, family, and finding faith against the greatest odds. October 20th, 1991. It was early afternoon. The football game was about to come on, and back then, Every Sunday, that's all I did was watch the games. My son was sitting on the floor playing with his toys. Uh, I was looking at the TV, and out of nowhere, all hell broke loose. Philadelphia police officers showed up looking for answers about a murder from the night before. They took Tony in for hour after hour of questioning. 
I repeated the same thing over and over again. It wasn't me. I was in there crying like a baby for my mother. We talking about murder in the first degree. That's scary. It was an officer standing in the back of me, pressing down on my neck, and one almost nose to nose with me. I feared for my life at that time. So whatever they told me to do, I did. And they said I can go home if I signed these papers. Tony signed a confession written by the officer, stating that he had raped and murdered an elderly woman. Police also testified that they found blood-stained clothes in his home. He narrowly missed the death penalty before being sentenced to life in prison. You empty, you numb. Life, what does that mean? You 20 years old. It was the worst of times for me. But the only thing I could think about was my son. A life sentence meant leaving behind his four-year-old son. Anthony Wright Jr. I believe my dad was innocent. I was up there every weekend for me to be in the room with my dad for an hour. And that hour felt like seconds. We just lose ourselves in each other in our conversation. And the main topic of conversation was football. Football is my first love. I like the way the grass smell. Put them cleats on. Put that ball in my hand. Before I was big enough to start playing football, and he would tell me about things that he did, like, tell me about football and how good he is and stuff. So, and I always wanted that for me. I started using that as a plateau to like reach my dad. Knowing that he was, you know, watching me, I always wanted to stand out by making a big play. What numbers he got on? Forty-eight. Yeah, I mean, everybody used to watch so we could see if we can get a glimpse of him. It was crazy. Like, yo, that's my son right here. I just wanted a positive light to shine, you know, through me on him. Through football, there were no walls, no distance. While his son starred at Ben Franklin High School in Philly, Tony played, too, in the inmates' football league at Greaterford Prison, just an hour away. Years passed and their bond remained intact. All right. So, got a little glimpse of your story, a little diving a little deeper into that, a couple visuals. Now, you said that you, you know, you got involved in the football league in the prison. Your son came to see you all the time, and that was your hope that's what kept your drive that's what kept you motivated that's what just kept you sane and and, and your that was basically like your connection with the outside world right that's what got you through so with all that said when the lights go out at night and you're in that cell by yourself and your mind can get to wandering to unknown places or places you don't want it to go what were you able to do then to sustain what you would would experience during the day that would keep you there. Because at night when you're alone and you're, you know, you're alone and you're, you're feeling lonely and you start to think, you know, you could go places. How, how, how were you able to manage that? Discipline, man. I mean, you know, uh, discipline, man. I mean, my head was always in the right place. When I tell you that, man, and, 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 and 
I just to cry myself to sleep at night sometimes, man. You know, because I wanted to get to my baby so bad, man. Like I miss my son so much, man. And 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 he, he, he used to have a stoic look on his face all the time. And 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 you know, I pose a question to people. Men in jail with life sentence, you see them smile all the time when they should be crying. And I never understood that. And I pose a question all the time. Why are you in this situation and you having to smile and laugh and joke like it's nothing? And it hurts somebody else more than it hurts you. I mean, and then, you know, I used to have a smile on my face. You know, every time I would see my son or my mother. I wanted to try to ease what they was feeling. That was my mission and my aim and and and, and I figured trying to figure out every day why was I there. I couldn't wrap my head around it. And I used to pray and I used to say a prayer. And at the end of my prayer, it's called a dua. I used to ask God, you know I mean, if this is what you have for me, send me a sign. Please, and I never got that time. And I fought hard and far every day, man. I hope that may tomorrow be better than today, man. And that's how I live my life every day, man. You know I mean, no matter what, man, my mission, my aim was to get back. My son's 33 years old. Two things will always be the same for the rest of our life. I'll always be a father, he'll always be my son. And my, he needs me, man. I don't, I mean, like, 33, man, like, it's, 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 I can't even put it in the words. I'm with my son now. I can't put it in the words what it's like. Yeah, I mean, you know, to go with my son out. My son come to my house. And, and, and nobody tell me he got to leave or visit over or yeah. get, on a, get on a plane and take a trip with my son, my father. It's insane, man. Like, 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 it's the best fuller in the world. Like, you can't describe it. You can't describe it. I mean, you know, my son was right back to sometimes a four-year-old boy. When we're alone. Yeah, you know I mean, he yearned for this all his life. Yeah. You can see that, man. Without him, he don't even have to say a word. I, that's my son. I know what he feel. I know what he's thinking. And as a father, man, it feels so good. Man. It feels so good to be able to share these type of moments with him. Yeah, I mean, you know, you know, this is what I fought for. Yeah, I mean, this is what I got up every day for. Yeah, I mean, to keep on fighting and fighting. Yeah. And I wasn't going to stop until I made it. Man. And it's good. And, 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 it's it's good that you know he was there with you every step of the way too, because a lot of a lot of fathers don't get that opportunity. Uh, you know, whatever circumstance it may be, maybe the mother holds them back. They don't want the son to see you in that situation, or you know. But it, it's it's just a blessing that he was there every step of the way to give you that hope, man, and just keep fighting for something. You know what I mean? Other things. A lot of a lot of people don't understand, man. When you're a father and you have a son, and you're in the situation that I was in. Nine times out of ten, the boy tend to go the other way, away from his father. The boy tend to go to the street. And the daughter will gravitate more to the father with the boy. And, you know, man, again, man, we give all the glory and praise to God, man. Yeah, I mean, you know, 
for God, nothing, and, and being at the head of our life, and, and every day, man, and, and, and you know, I, I, I did my best to do whatever I can to bridge that gap and keep his attention, and I had so much help, man, you know, my brother, yeah, I mean, Darnell Fisher, uh, you know, uh, he was the majority of that help, that, that helped me bridge that gap, yeah, I mean, you know, with my son, especially after my especially after my mother passed. Uh, you know, my mother was there every weekend with my son. Every time I had a visit, my mother was there with my son before she passed away. And then right after my mother passed away, my brother stepped in. I was like, bro, I got it, no worries. And he used to always tell me, I got your son, don't worry about it. You just close it and do what you need to do and come out of there. Yeah, I mean, let me worry about what's going on out here. And your son, and true to his word, you know, I was able to sleep with a little bit of comfortability at night, knowing that my son was good. Yeah, I mean, he was taken care of, didn't need anything. Yeah. yeah I mean, so that, that's how they would sleep at night. Man, that's a blessing. That's a blessing, man. Now you, okay, you're on the other side of it now. And I see you have this give back campaign that you got going on. Can you talk a little bit about that and how you're touching the community? Man, you know, so many people helped me, man. <laughs> like, you know, so many people helped me, man. I wouldn't be here now, man. God first again, man. And, 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 and you know, his vessel through so many men and women helped me, man. And first and foremost, you know, the city where I'm from, Philadelphia. Everybody embraced me with open arms down there, man. You know, I never saw that coming. I never even imagined that. People that didn't know me, people knew me. Everybody, you know, walked me back home with open arms and embraced me, man. And I mean, you know, how can you pay it forward, man? How can you thank somebody for what they did for me? How can you thank somebody? You know, I, you know, I call my legal team, my guardian angel here in the physical form in this world, man. You know, they saved my life. How can Absolutely. you thank them? You know, you know, you know, you know, every time somebody mentioned my name or my name come up in a conversation that any one of those men or women in, I want them to have a bigger smile on their face and be glad that they fought that good, good fight for me, man. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you know. I want to make them proud, you know what I mean? And, 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 you know, every time they hear my name, man, and I just try to pay it forward, man. You know, I I, I, I think that's my, 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 I feel like it's an obligation of mine uh, for the rest of my life, man. You know what I mean? To help any and everybody that I could, man. I can't save the world, man. I just try to do do my part, man. Yeah. And, 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 you know, we talk about America. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's supposed to be the land of everything, man. And, and you know, come home and it's mind boggling. All the men and women that you see that don't have nothing or nobody that, that are homeless in the middle of the streets, man. And that breaks my heart. It literally breaks my heart, man. And, and, and you know, I stop every time I see one of those people, man, and empty my pockets out, man. Yeah, I mean, you know, I just, you know, you know, I just try to get a blessing, man, you know, by helping somebody else, man. And that's why I do it, man. And, and then, you know, it's the best feeling in the world, man, when you give it back, man. You know what I mean? Yeah. Are you able to bring 
somebody else some joy. You know, when you ever to bring somebody else some joy, man. That's what we're here I mean, for. Yeah, it's an amazing feeling, man. That's what Best we're here for. I, 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 I would want to think that you being selfless and fighting to be free for your family, for your son, is is I'm pretty sure a lot of the fear kept you going because it wasn't about you. It wasn't about just you. You weren't sitting there having a pity party about what was me, why me. You know what I mean? The, the focus wasn't on you. It was on, hey, on your family. It was on the loved ones. It was on how you could make a difference when you do get out of there and, and you know get free. For sure, man. My family is my life. Yeah. My family. I'm, I'm nothing without them, man. You know, I, I, you know, I love my family. So I come from a good family. We do everything together. I mean, everything together. You know, my grandmother, 96 years old, who's the oldest person, to the youngest person, my cousin just turned one. Yeah, I oh. mean, you know, we celebrate everything together. We do everything together as a family, man. I, I love my family and even more, man. You know, you know, my own family, which is my son and my grandkids. It's my life. It's not about me. It's about them, man. Yeah, man. You know, you know, I live my life today. Yeah, I mean, just to make sure nobody else, those three people are good. They're good, yeah. Yeah. And, and, yeah. and we're talking about um the giving back. I, I wanted to ask you, is there any brothers that you keep in touch with in the prison system or anybody that you came across in there that you knew without a shadow of a doubt that they were innocent just like you fighting for their life to get out of there? Absolutely, man. I I have two phones. I take over 30 jail calls a day. I take over 30 jail calls a day. And because of this pen and because of this pandemic, we aren't able to physically go see these guys. Everything is virtual. The guards and everybody think I'm crazy. Uh, as soon as I walk out the front door, I walk back through the front door. But as a visitor, you know what I mean, I'll yeah. never leave none of my, I'll never leave none of my comrades behind. Uh, you know, I, to an extent, those guys become your family. I was right. there 25 years, man. Yeah, you know I mean, I laugh with those guys. I cry with those guys. My mother cried, died, and when I couldn't even shed a tear, I promise you, every man in the jail cried for me and my mother, man. Everybody knew my mother, all the guys, by her coming up every day. Those guys are my brothers, man, and 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 and, and, and I'm those guys' hope, man. Yeah, I mean, you know, you know, a lot of those guys, guys know me, man, and I look out for a lot of those guys. Yeah, I mean, I make sure they got money on their books to go to commissary. You know, I go check on their moms, go check on their kids. Yeah, I mean, and, and and all that stuff, man. Yeah, I mean, so uh, uh, those guys are my brothers, man. I'll never leave none of my brothers behind or my sisters. I'll never do it. I'll never do that. Man, you, you, yeah, man. You're doing God's work, brother. You're doing God's work. God worked for you. You working for him, and, and you're doing his work. And, and you know, and people, they, they need you. They need you. That's what I, that's what I, and, 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 and I accept that responsibility wholeheartedly, man. Like I said, you know, I don't feel like it's something. I feel like, you know, everything I'm doing is an obligation. Yeah. You know I mean, I feel like I need to do it. I mean, somebody, somebody gave me hope. Somebody before me gave me hope, man. And, 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 and I'm trying to do that now to the men that's still there, man. Right. Many people help me, man. 
I'm just paying it forward, man. You know, my mother always told me, yeah, I mean, you can tell what type of person he is by looking at his feet. Not what he got on his feet, but who he walked with. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I always walk with guys that just like me, man. Yeah, I mean, you know, I had a guy that, 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 you know what I mean, that's a friend of mine that became my brother through that 25 years. He was with me every step of the way, man. Yeah, I mean, I, for 25 years, I mean, you know, financially, I didn't want or need for nothing. He took care of all that for me, man. Wow. For 25 years, and even my son, man. And again, how can you thank somebody for doing something you can't, man? Right. Fair forward, man. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, I'm doing the same thing he did just for, you know what I mean, a lot more people. That's all. Right. You know what I mean? So, yeah. You know what I mean? We good. So let's take it. Let's take it to to release day, man. Let's 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 be jubilant about this. How, tell, give me give me a timeline of what release day was like and how much joy it brought to you and, and everything that you did that day. Oh my God, man! Uh, we won in court, man. We won in court, and I told you a little while ago the judge refused to let me walk out with my family. He made them shackle me up, but I'm glad he did that, man. It was one of the best moments. That I'll never forget. And, and, and one of my lawyers also, he said it was the best moment of his life just witnessing it. Uh, uh, so, you, know, you know, they shackled me up and, and put me back on a bus. And, and when we got before we got there, all the guards, when we got there, all the guards ran out. They knew what just happened. Yeah, I mean, they must have called and said, yo, we bring them back right now. And they ran out. I was like, take him off the bus, get him off. And all the guards knew me. Yeah. They took my shackles off, snapped me off the bus, and they were so happy for me, man. They were so <laughs> happy for me. But when I got back inside the institution, when I got back inside the institution, uh, after I took off my civilian clothes, my suit I had on the court, I got on the elevator, put my prison clothes back on, got on the elevator, and I went up to the cell block. And once I got to the cell block, where, so first, let me take you back, so when the verdict came in, all the guards was listening to it in the jail. And they said, yo, they got a verdict. And they locked the whole jail down, the whole institution. They locked all the inmates in their cell. And when the verdict came in, they said the institution went crazy. All the guards uh, uh, opened the door. They said, he won, he won. They felt like not guilty. So when I got there and I got off the elevator, and once I got where they could get a visual on me, once I got where they can get a visual on me, I mean the whole place erupted, man. They were so happy. They were so happy for me. You know, all the enemies, all all the guards. And I went in and they, I got right on the phone. I called my son. And I said, yo, uh, I said, where y'all at? He said, dad, we on our way. Everybody. I said, who's everybody? He said, everybody. <laughs> Everybody's on their way to the jail. So I said, come visit me. Uh, he said, I can visit you. I said, yeah, I'm still in, I'm still in there. You know what I mean? The paperwork going to take a while. And uh, lo and behold, I went upstairs and took my clothes off to get in the shower. And the guard said, I'm going up. Right after I took my clothes off, she said, it's over. You know what I mean? You released. You out of it. And the jail went crazy again. And then, you know, they walked me down. And when they walked me down, uh, 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 outside for the first time when they opened the door as a free man i actually peeked out i was scared to walk out the door i put my head out and the guard was like oh my god come on so they took me out front where all the visitors be at they said my family and all my lawyers is on their way 
and they put me in this room because there was so commotion. Everybody knew what just happened. All of them, did it. everybody was looking at me. It was like a thousand reporters out there, but they waited till my family come and you know my family came in and they put us in a room. We all hugged, cried, and laughed, and we all walked out together. It's a our kind of picture where you see me walking with all my lawyers and we all got our hands up. Yeah, I mean, for victory and, and, and all the cameras. And we went to a restaurant. You know, my lawyer bought the whole restaurant out and, and we celebrated all night, me, my family, and all my legal team. Oh, that's so dope, man. What was the first thing you ate? Cheesecake, man. That's my favorite <laughs> thing to eat. So, I, so the restaurant must was looking at it on the news. And when we got there, they had 10 different cheesecakes already laid out on the table for me. Wow. Yeah, we had a ball. Cheesecake and pop. Spaghetti is my favorite thing to eat. Spaghetti and meatball. They had all the pasta I wanted and every cheesecake ever, man ever made there waiting on me for the stuff. Wow, man. That, I know, that was, I can't even imagine, brother. I That's can't my imagine, life, man. man. I'm so happy for you, though, man. For real. Like, for real, for real. And it's I appreciate just, it. Yeah, it's just a blessing that, you, that you're here with us on the outside. You know what I mean? And, you, and you're giving back and you're doing these great things and you're keeping in touch with, the, with your brothers in there. I know that gives them hope. You know, that just shows yeah. that, that God is real, man. And that's all some yeah. people need, you know? Absolutely, man. Somebody did it for me, man. And, and that's just the way I'm built, man. That's the way I'm wild, man. Yeah, I mean, I went for myself. What I want for my brother, I want for myself, what I want for my sister, man. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I wish everybody was like that. But, you know, and, uh, you know, we're a work in progress every day, man. Yes, we're indeed. We're a work in progress every day, man. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. So, yeah, so I was going to ask you one last question. And tell me how you feel about this. So, I know you had, they compensated you, right? Right, yeah. Is that, yes. is there, is there, a, okay rightfully so because now you know you don't have to worry about how, how you gonna take care of yourself take care of your family they, they enabled you to do things that you can do without a struggle right? Right, right but is there is there times or was there a time at one point where kind of it was kind of like a a bittersweet type of thing where it's like how dare them try to equate money to the time and the life that they took away from me and my family like are, do, do, do you ever have mixed feelings about that? Absolutely. You, you can't. Listen. You know, I've gone through, you know, the civil part of, of this thing. Uh, the judge wanted to have a conversation with me. And, and, and he said, I want to talk to Tony. I don't want to talk to attorneys. I don't want to talk to the other people. So I, I want to talk to Tony. And when he can, I say, Your Honor, listen. You can't put a price. Listen, first and foremost. You're cutting your face off a little bit. Oh, I'm sorry. There you go. So the, there judge, you go. the judge wanted to talk to me. I said, Judge, listen. No amount of money, man. You can't put a price. I know me, man. I'll never put a, I'm, I'm, I'm worth everything. Can't put no price. I said, listen, I lost my mother during that time in 1998. My first seven years in, I lost my mother. 
The lady was everything. And the lady gave me a, I said, if you can bring my mother back, I'll walk out your courtroom right now. You won't have to pay me a dime. I don't want a dime. Bring my mother, you can't do that. You know what I mean? You know, that's first and foremost. And then second, I mean, you know, how much man, it wasn't about money to me. Right. I got the, my case is the biggest case probably ever in Philadelphia. That's what it appeared like, even today. Right. With everything that's going on in regards to what happened to me. My case, the biggest case around here. I changed five different laws in Philadelphia and Pennsylvania because of what happened to me. And I could have went to trial. I could have went and won. Literally, my case was open and stuff. Nobody ever got paid for me. And I got the biggest settlement ever in the city of Philadelphia. I could have went to trial and won a hundred million dollars. I literally could have did that. Wow. I could have went. I could have went in there and won a hundred million dollars. It wasn't about that for me. Yeah. I wanted them to assure me my granddaughter, Ramera, who just turned six years old two just months over. ago. Just over. There we go. There we go. My my granddaughter Ramera, who just turned six years old two months ago. I wanted them to assure me 11 years from now when she's 16, her fate won't be what mine was. I wanted them to assure me my grandson, who just turned three years old last month, when 13 years from now when he's 16, his fate won't be what his grandfather's was. And even more, not me, every man in Philadelphia. I wanted them to assure me that they child won't have to go through what I went through. You understand me? Yeah. That's why I settled my case, man. Yeah, I mean, I mean, money is a necessity, man. We needed to live, man. Yeah. Hey, listen, man, I'm a homebody. Hey, man, I'm rich with my family. My family's all I need, man, in this world, man. I don't need nothing else. All I need is my family, man. Absolutely. Keep brother. loving me, to keep loving me the way they love me, and I'm gonna love them, you know what I mean, the way I love them every day. That's all I need, man. That's all I need, my Absolutely, man. Well said. Well said, man. Very well said. But listen, brother, I appreciate your time, man, coming on here, taking the time out. I know you're traveling, you're in routes. So I really appreciate that. We made it happen. <laughs> but uh, yeah, man, everybody needs to know your story. They need to hear your story. Uh, just keep being a beacon of light, a beacon of hope for them brothers that's on there, people who, who may go through that someday. You know, or just Absolutely. somebody that you can help, man, and be a blessing too. You know, God bless you and thank you for being you. You know what I'm saying? And um, yeah, man, just hearing your story, I'm pretty sure it's gonna help some people fight through some things. Even like you said early on, even yeah. if it's not dealing with yeah. being in the penitentiary, it's just anything yeah. in life. Yeah. It's, yeah. Anything's yeah. possible, man. I mean, anything's don't possible, give up on yourself. Man. You don't give up anything's on others. Ever, ever, man, ever. You don't believe in you. Uh, I expect somebody else to believe in and in, in, in you as well, man. Hey, man, you know, this was just another great opportunity, man. Uh, you know, I, I give praise to God first. Uh, this your show, man. You second, man, for this opportunity, man, and this platform, man, for me to share uh, my story, man, to try to inspire somebody and still some hope in somebody uh, to always believe in themselves. You just said it. Never give up, man. Yeah, man. You know, Absolutely. Uh, 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 you know, I appreciate you know 
all all the opportunities I'm given, man. None more than opportunities such as this. Yeah, you know, I have an opportunity to be on your show. Yeah, you know I mean, which I'm sure has yeah, you know I mean, thousands if not millions of followers, man. And everybody that tuned in, man. God bless you, man, and thank you for the time, man. Absolutely, God, brother. Be safe, please. Thank you. Absolutely, and I'm gonna I'm gonna lead the show out with a with a video clip of your release day and 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 all that went on you know what i'm saying we're gonna celebrate that and you're gonna keep living on and doing your thing brother and i'm gonna keep up that book tell everybody where they can follow you on instagram and all that hey man you can follow me on instagram at anthony Wright. my name underscore official again that's anthony Wright underscore official uh, yeah, I mean, you'll know where I'm at if I'm in a town there. You speaking or doing some work or giving back, you uh, uh, you can find out when the book is coming out. Uh, my first biography, the Tony Wright story, Little Tell. And stay tuned, man. The documentary, man, the movie, the film, man, is for BT, Netflix, and all that. Yeah, I mean, it should be coming in 2022, man. We working, we working, trying to teach the truth to the youth Definitely. and educate. And educate the masses of the world. Yeah, and they can yeah. they can also follow you on your website too. Drop that. Yeah, uh, and the, the, the right Anthony, the right Anthony, right uh, at gmail.com. There it is, boom. So, and I'm gonna have everything yeah. down in the description, all the links, so they have easy access to that. Brother, I appreciate you, man. I really, really appreciate you lending me your time and telling your story. God bless you. Wow. Likewise, man, I appreciate you even more, man, a thousand. I appreciate you even more, man, a thousand times, man. God bless you, man. Stay yes, safe, sir. please, man. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Uh, you too, uh, man. I'm, I'm going to be uh, in touch with you in your DMs, man. All right, man. I look forward to it, man. Can't wait to see you in there, man. For sure. Right. For sure. I'm following, I'm following you too, bro. So, you know, every move every move you make, man, I'm right there, man. Support, I appreciate man. that. Love, love is love, that. man. Love is love, man. Absolutely. Love hey, love. and when I get my national TV show, I'm having you back on. Hey, man, I can't wait, man. Yeah, I mean, I'll run there, man. Yes, sir. We're going to celebrate. My man, I appreciate it, man. All right, man. You have you, a man. safe flight. Uh, all right. Thank you. Appreciate it, man. All right. God, God bless. Yes, indeed. Hey, y'all. What a great interview. Anthony Wright, man. Phenomenal story. Phenomenal story. Ah, man. I can't even imagine. But he's, listen, man, that's just God. You see the spirit, you see the life in that man after 25 years, after 25 years of being away from his family, out of society, man, he snapped back right into society like it was nothing, like he's like he been here. And that's just God, man. That's the grace of God that, you know, just being strong, staying strong and just being selfless, thinking about others and not himself while he's in there. Man, it's that's just a wow he's being recognized y'all sean king if y'all follow him on instagram sean king's talking about him right now if you go to his feed you can see the post i'm telling you y'all be on the lookout for the biography be on the look for the be out be on the lookout for the documentary stories like this need to be heard stories like this need to be heard i will i ask i don't ask anybody hardly ever to share any of my episodes but this episode share this episode because there's so many people out there that's still behind those walls that are that are innocent, man. And they need to be released. They need to be free. They need to be put back in society, society with their families. Stories like this need to be heard. 
I'm saying again, stories like this need to be heard. Share this episode. Tag somebody. Share this episode. I appreciate you guys. Appreciate you guys tuning in, man. It's, it's stuff like this that I want to share with you guys. All right? I'm telling you. Kicking with cool cards, y'all, every Tuesday night, 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. I got you. You never know who I might have. All right? We're going to kick it out of here until next week. Got a little nice outro. Um, we're going to share his release date and just, you know, his release day and, and just see the joy that unfolded. That was all the love that was there for this man when he finally got out. Until next time, y'all. Next week, I'm going to see you. Cool card. Appreciate y'all. We just kicking it. Science doesn't lie. Uh, I thank God for science. Walking out that door, August 23rd was the happiest day of my life. Breathe that air. I haven't breathed that air as a free person in 25 years. time, the prosecutors asked the jury to impose the death penalty. By a 7-5 to five vote, he narrowly escaped the death penalty. Scariest day of my life going in there to find out what they, I mean, you, 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 you just don't know. You can't, you can't describe it. I mean, you, you go numb, your body just shut down. You know, known Tony for 11 years, the thought that he could have been executed for this crime is, is just bone chilling. There's a sobering reminder that when we have a death penalty in this country, there is always a risk that an innocent person could be executed. What the DNA showed is that the police apparently recovered these items from the scene and then lied under oath and said they found them at Tony's house. And it was quite a bombshell. Um, you know, it is no exaggeration to say that Tony Wright was not just wrongly convicted, he was framed for a rape and murder he didn't commit. The world was watching uh, and seeing uh, what they did to me. That's evil, strong. The jury deliberated less than an hour before returning a not guilty verdict on all counts. The jury on its own went public condemning the district attorney of Philadelphia for even bringing this prosecution. I hope that this trial will have a deterrent effect on other prosecutors when confronted with overwhelming DNA evidence of innocence to simply quickly, expeditiously uh, vacate convictions, dismiss indictments, and allow innocent people to return uh, to their families and friends. I love cheesecake. <laughs> I've been to almost every eatery in the city two or three times a day. You know, I, I wake up every day since I've been out three o'clock in the morning just to lift my head up off the bed and just to look around to make sure I'm not dreaming and this is real.